let's, let's just get into the word this morning. We're going to be looking, we're going to read some of the same scripture we read last week in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, let me just, uh, for those of you that are, are visiting or perhaps have missed a couple of weeks uh, uh, through the holidays, let me just catch you up. We're in a, uh, the middle of a series uh, in which our theme scripture has been Galatians 4, 4, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And the focus of our uh, discussion has been when the set time had come. And we have looked in the Old Testament for several weeks at uh, various characters from uh, biblical history uh, and how that God showed up in the natural course of events in their life and great, magnificent things happened and they, they became clearly in scripture the right person that was in the right place at the right time. And we realize from this pattern in scripture that God's intention is to be able to show up in the natural course of events within our own life and do magnificent and wonderful things and uh, that we are, really have some right person, right place, right time assignments and events that are, that are purposed of God to unfold in our life. Amen? And we are finding that, uh, that now that we are looking in the New Testament, we're finding some New Testament uh, uh, examples of that. And today I want to talk to you uh, about some characters in the New Testament that are people just like you, who God did great things through. And so, um, but let's read some scripture first. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33 Through 35 says, who through faith, speaking of the people that he's just referenced in that chapter, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouth of lions, quitched the fiery darts of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. That sounds so good to me. And who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And then I want us to jump to verse 38 that, that says, The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us. So that only together with us would they be made perfect. Hebrews chapter 11 is a wonderful chapter that has all kinds of people described throughout that chapter. And then we get down to the end and the writer says a few verses before these that we've read that says, I'm just out of time. I can't, I can't reference everybody and mention everybody's name that did great things uh, in, uh, in, and, and allowed God to do great things in and through them by faith. And uh, I, I just, I'm just running out of time to mention uh, these and those. And, and he goes on and he makes lists. And then we move, we've moved into the New Testament but, uh, to, to talk about some of those individuals But what this passage does not say, because it's implied in the statement that they accomplished through faith these things, 
What what the passage does not say to you is that these individuals uh, that are mentioned in the book of Hebrews who received honorable mention by God, I hope God says my name sometime in a good way, that they were everyday, ordinary people. If they were not everyday, ordinary people, the scriptures would not have said that they accomplished what they accomplished through faith. It would have just shared what they accomplished. But the point that scripture makes is that anything they accomplished that was worthy of mention was accomplished through faith is there to clearly tell you that apart from faith they couldn't have accomplished it. That they in and of themselves did not obtain within themselves the strength and the ability to accomplish great things for God that deserved his mention. So they were just ordinary people. They went home and had arguments with their kids. They got mad at their employers. They worried about their economy and they worried about their possessions and they worried about what they were going to do if this happened or if that happened, just like you and I. They were ordinary, everyday people who determined that they would put their hope and their trust and the things that they had heard God say to them or that they had learned primarily in those days through his word because he didn't show up and talk to them like he does you. Did you know in the Old Testament, outside of what we now know as the printed word of God, there was no general call to the assembly of people that says, I'm sending you an invitation. The Holy Spirit came upon individuals so that he could move among the people. But in our life, He rests within us. And when he says there's an invitation, like he said today, there's a stirring within our individual heart and his desire is to have an individual conversation. Do you know how much more potential we have as ordinary people to do great things in the earth for the kingdom of God than any of those folks behind us had? That ought to light your fire. If that doesn't create zeal and excitement in you, I don't know what from the word of God could create more zeal and excitement than to understand that you and God can move together in the earth to do great things in your family, in your friends, in your workplace, in your community, in this place, in the corporate gathering of of the saints of God who come together to worship him, that God desires to do through ordinary, everyday people with all kinds of hang-ups, and challenges, great things. I want to share with you, and I'm just going to refer to some scripture. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to just tell you the story of the lives of a very ordinary couple, man and wife, in the New Testament. 
the, this couple were friends of the Apostle Paul. Their name was Aquila and Priscilla. So I'm assuming that Priscilla is a lady and Aquila is the man, right? The Bible uh, mentions them um, six times in the New Testament. They're mentioned in Acts chapter 18 several times. They're mentioned in uh, Romans chapter 16. They're mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And they're mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about this couple. Because I find when I read about their life that they were people just like we are. They were laborers. It would appear that perhaps they owned their own uh, business. They were tent makers. They were dependent on people remaining nomads. And they were tent makers, just like the Apostle Paul was when he was an itinerant preacher. He mended tents, and, and, and uh, that was his trade to keep himself funded so that he didn't have to depend upon the giving of others in order to do the work of ministry that God had called him to. He was a self-funded individual. He did receive offerings. You see that in Scripture. But he was a self-funded individual. He was willing to work with his hands so that the gospel could get preached. That's pretty cool. Well, Aquila and Priscilla are this wonderful couple. And when Paul uh, comes to the church at Corinth, uh, he meets uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and he realizes that they're tent makers and um, that they were Jews that had arrived from Rome in the city uh, there and that they had, uh, because they had been recently expelled from, from Rome. It, the, the, the church was in persecution. The Jews were in persecution. And in this period of time there, the Jews had been expelled from Rome, and and Paul comes to Corinth, and he meets this couple. And we don't know from Scripture whether he led them to the Lord or whether uh, they had come to the Lord and then they met him. We don't have those details. But what we do know is they were tent makers, they were a married couple, and they were serving in the church, and they were uh, just doing ordinary things that people do. They were going to work every day, they were going to church uh, you know, on the Sabbath, and they were telling people about Jesus whenever they had the opportunity. They were just hanging out like you and I. And they were praying to God, and they were waiting for God to do big things in their life. But in the, in the seasons and the times that they're waiting for God to do big things in their life, they're just doing what people do. And I know that that may even be a little bit repetitive uh, to the point. But we have determined and learned that we must be studious through the thankless hours of the mundane to ever participate in the moments where history are made. That God moves through ordinary people who are getting up every day and doing ordinary things. And I have never seen God do great things through a person who was not giving themselves to the daily tasks of life and doing what people need to do. Because the scripture tells us to occupy until he comes. And the scripture tells us uh, that we are to be faithful and that a steward must be found faithful. So when God moves in this earth, he moves through people uh, who are being faithful to do what he's assigned them to do in greatest measure. Now, God can use anybody. Oh, you're quiet. God can use anybody. Some of the most encouraging words I've ever received were from people I didn't even want to talk to. 
Are you with me? And sometimes you'll receive the word of the Lord and it'll come right through the mouth of an individual that you're struggling with an attitude toward. Because God wants to know if you're willing to hear his voice. You can go in the Old Testament and see that he spoke to an old prophet through the donkey he was riding on. He speaks to ordinary people. And he doesn't ask your permission for the avenue through which he gets his word to you or how he moves in your life. But he will deal with you. If you'll let him, he'll move and he'll speak to you. So here's this wonderful couple, and Paul meets them in the, in the city of uh, Corinth, and uh, they are... Um, it's not clear whether, well, I already shared that with you, whether they were already Christians or not, but uh, after 18 months, Quilla and Priscilla begin to travel with the Apostle Paul. They're there in Corinth together, they work together, their, their friendship deepens, and they begin to travel with him and to work works of ministry with him. This is the people who are just, they're just at home doing what they do. And suddenly God begins to promote them and put them in a place of influence in the kingdom of God so that their voice could be heard and so that the body of Christ could be strengthened. And the word tells us not to, uh, not to uh, be minimal. Uh, it, I love the way the word says this, about small beginnings, about things that look like nothing. God wants to do in your life some great things through circumstances and situations that, that right now just look like nothing. Look like it has no potential at all. How uh, they must have struggled whenever the political uh, climate changed and whenever persecution came and whenever they had to close up shop and, and move out of Rome and move to Corinth and how they must have looked at each other and said, I don't know what we're going to do. Everything seems to be falling apart and we have to go to Corinth and we have to start all over again. We have to build a new base of customers and we have to build new relationships and it's like we have to tear down our lives and move and start over again. Some of the greatest moves of God in your life will be in places of starting over again. But if they hadn't been where they were when the Apostle Paul arrived, the relationship would not have blossomed and the things that happened in their life uh, after that time would not have happened. But, But persecution is what moved them to where they needed to be. Hard times move them to where... Don't minimize the move of God in your life and don't anticipate that he's not right in the middle of the mix when hard times are pressing you and reshaping you. Challenges of your life are an opportunity for you to stand before God and say, God, what are you doing now? And it is certain, I I know from the word of God that that which is ahead of me is greater than that which is behind me. And if, if circumstances are pushing me to come to places of change, I'll submit to those circumstances and I will change. Priscilla and Aquila remained with Paul in Antioch. 
And there's a great story in the church of Antioch, or in that season of time in their life that I want to share with you. It's in Acts chapter 18, uh, when you have time to read it. A man named Apollos came through Antioch, and he was preaching the gospel. And the gospel that was in him was sound because he had he, he knew the Old Testament and he knew uh, how that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of those prophetic signs that they had been looking for. And he was sharing with all of his heart, this Jesus is the Messiah and you can look in the Old Testament and you can see this thing and that thing and the other thing. And, and he was going through the list and he was convincing people of Jesus. And Priscilla and Aquila see him and they sit down with him and they talk to him and the Bible says that they explain to him more fully the gospel. He was already convinced and so much so that he was preaching Jesus. He didn't need the whole story. He was convinced. But yet the Bible says that they pulled him aside and in one of those moments of discipleship or in some of those moments of discipleship, just like we have around the table with our Timothy books or just like we have uh, around our little prayer times and our, our times in the Word together in little meetings at Starbucks and here and there, that, they're, that they sat down with this man and the Bible says they explained to him the gospel more fully. They deepened his understanding of who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus was uh, the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures related to uh, the coming of the Messiah. But maybe he didn't understand that whenever Jesus uh, died and rose again and was seated at the right hand of the Father, that the Holy Spirit was poured out. And now that we had become the temple of God and that God had moved into us. And they explained to him this great plan of God to be involved in the individual lives of people that it wasn't just about repentance. It wasn't just about coming to God. It wasn't just about receiving fire insurance and getting saved out of hell, but it was about an eternal experience with God where the kingdom of God has come into the earth today. They explained to him the gospel more fully. You know what they did when they explained to him the gospel more fully? You see, the gospel's good news. They just gave him more good news. They broadened his understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, what they did was they equipped him with with not just uh, reasons that Jesus was the fulfillment, uh, all the technical reasons that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, but they explained to him that people needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus and that they could have conversations with him now because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, has come to dwell in the believer. Can you imagine what those conversations must have sounded like? But I want you to understand that Priscilla and Aquila got to Corinth and got in a relationship with the Apostle Paul and began to travel with him and preach with him and work with him and disciple people with him and and raise people up with him that moved them to this place in Antioch so that they would be right there when this man came and when when he needed someone to speak into his life. And they were moved first by persecution and struggle. They were moved first by the the political winds changing and blowing against the people of God. Sounds like maybe the day we're living in. Where the opinions of the culture have changed. 
the opinions of the culture was against them. And, and it had so impacted them that it, it impacted their economy. And their economy caused them to have to shift into other places in the earth. Persecution shifted them so that they would be right where they needed to be. Hard times shifted them. I believe that I'm talking to a church full of people that need to learn and that God is saying to the Holy Spirit, is saying to us, when hard times come, the appropriate thing for you to do is to ask me, what is the shift you are making in my life right now? That moves me, the average ordinary guy or gal or couple or family that shifts me in the kingdom so that I'm exactly where I need to be, so that I'm the right person in the right place at the right time. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? Did you know that Priscilla and Aquila went on to preach the gospel and went on to do the works of ministry? It never occurred to them that their story would be told to you and I. They were just doing stuff. I wonder how many stories from our culture are going to be told in eternity when it never occurred to us that our name would be mentioned or that our story would be told. I don't know if it was Benjamin, somebody I was having a conversation with that made this point. And I think you may have said this from the pulpit at some point here in the past. When we get to heaven and we run up to Moses and we want Moses to tell us about water coming from the rock... And when we get to uh, Noah and we want Noah to tell us about that hundred years of building that ark and, and how everybody laughed at him and how how'd you get through that, Noah? And we talk to Abraham about his travels through the earth and we want him to tell us all the wonderful stories of the things that God did for him and in him and through him. And when, when we're sitting down and we're trying to talk to these people, they're going to go, wait a minute, wait, stop, stop. I want you to tell me what it was like for the Holy Spirit to dwell in you day after day after day and to speak to you whenever you needed to hear him to have the ability to walk into the presence of God with no hesitation at any point in time that you desire to do so. That's what they're going to want to hear. Wait, tell me what that was like. Living in that old world when everything's against you. But you could at any moment say, God, you and I need to have a talk. I need some understanding about what's going on right here, right now. That little one of mine, I need some help with. That job, that employer of mine, I need some understanding. Show me what to do. I think people get in relationships with others that turn into disaster in the workplace and in, 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 in life in general. And I don't, I, don't, I don't think we put enough credit on the ability that we have to go to the Father and say, what should we do? And then I think when he tells us what we should do, it's not spiritual enough. And so we brush it off. I was listening to my father preach one time and teach the word, and he said, you know how to deal with a crotchety neighbor who, who just treats you like they're your enemy? And, and everybody's like, what? You know, give, give us the answer. Uh, uh, preacher, give us the answer. You know, they're all sitting on the edge of the seat. He goes, make him your friend. You want to have friends? You show yourself friendly. He said, if every time you walk by the neighbor's house, they're crotchety, go home and bake a plate of cookies and take it over to them. 
We actually had that happen when, when, uh, when Don and Linda were moving, we offended their neighbor. Didn't mean to. Just we were there and we were doing stuff and, and, and he was unhappy and not feeling well and, and he got mad we parked in front of his place. So we took him some brownies. <laughs> we said, you're worthy of honor and we didn't in any way mean to dishonor you and we just want to bless you. Here's some brownies. And, oh, I love sweet stuff. Well, he's the nicest guy. Just need to be treated with a little bit of respect. Surprised us all. He wanted those brownies, I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) And sometimes we brush off the simplest instruction from the Holy Spirit to just humble ourselves and do some simple things. And there's some relationships in your life and some people over whom you have influence in God, but you're waiting for a big spiritual, oh, go to them and quote this scripture to them. Well, it's just a, a noisy horn in their ears. But you go get some of that, was it carrot cake? That, you go get some, some of that stuff that, that, uh, that was sold at the boutique that Cindy makes. You go get some of that stuff, you take it to your neighbor, they will love you. They'll be asking you for the recipe. And you say, no, 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 Mama's secret recipe. So that you can just take it again. But we avoid some of the most simple things. And we avoid understanding that God, well, the pressures of life that come against us, if we'll submit our way to the Lord and listen to his voice, he will shift and move the circumstances around so that we are the people who have the word of the Lord in our mouth and we're in the right place right at the right time. And we're God's person there. We're like, hello, me. This is me. I've talked to some folks who, who uh, create environments around them that are so warm and inviting that you just want to hang out with them and, and, or they, uh, they can pray for the sick and God answers their prayer and, and you just say, oh, it's so neat that you let God use you that way. And you know what their response is? Huh? I'm just doing what I do. Yeah. Well, sharing one day with Becky and we were talking uh, in the back about the influence that we have on the lives of others. I don't even know quite how the conversation came up. But I shared with her one of the reasons that I feel so challenged about children's ministry at Church of Living Water is because it is simple people just doing the work of the Lord and, and never really knowing. You don't get to know how it turns out. I might be dead before they're grown. I don't get to see the outcome. I'm just doing what God teaching me to do by faith, speaking in their lives. Well, there was this uh, Sunday school teacher in my life that, that uh, um, I don't even know if I remember her name, and uh, that was Barbara, I think. Uh, anyway, that, that w- we moved to Fresno when I went into third grade, so it was sometime between birth and third grade that I sat in this lady's class week after week, and she just taught the word. She brought little examples to us. Did you know that I realized as an adult that my understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what he is to be in our life came out of a Sunday school example that she gave me that I have never forgotten? 
She stood in front of the class one day. She brought a meat cleaver. And she said, this is the devil. (laughs) And she brought a dozen eggs and she said, this is us. And she put one of the eggs on, you know, it was one of those Gulliver moments or whatever. She put one of the eggs on, is that his name, the the comedian? She put one of the eggs on her podium and she goes, this is what he wants to do to us. (laughs) Okay, that's really good visual, right? (laughs) Then she said, but Jesus died for you and he loves you and he doesn't want this to happen to you. It's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the Lord says to you, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So Jesus died and he went to the right hand of the Father and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says he sent the Holy Spirit alongside you to help. And he's your comforter and he's your teacher and he's your strength and he's your guide. And this is what the Holy Spirit is to you. And she takes this uh, steel cup and she puts it over the egg and she goes, bam, 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 bam. The Holy Spirit won't let him do that to you. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. You know what I discovered? Oh my God, I need the Holy Spirit. It wasn't long after that that we, we used to have prayer services in the youth children's ministry. They'd go to pre-service prayer just like the adults would. And we were in a prayer service and, and we come uh, in a little late into worship. They brought all the kids in and, and God was moving so great that our teachers said, just go to the altar. Just go in there right in worship. Just go to the altar. And that's what we did. And we walked in and we knelt before the Lord and we were, everybody was singing and we were, the kids were down there praying. And my father walked up behind me and I remember I can still hear his words. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Lord, fill my boy with the Holy Spirit. And I started speaking in tongues in that moment. Because somebody had shown me that I need the Holy Spirit in my life. And I understand the picture that I have of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and how much he loves me comes from that moment in the life of a believer who was just going to Sunday school, doing what teachers do, loving those kids and telling them about Jesus in a simple way. She's probably long since forgotten the example and most of us don't even remember her name. But my life has been guarded and protected and strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit because a moment's example that that lady who has no knowledge whatsoever that her influence changed my life. We'll get to talk about it in heaven. She may be too old to even hear it if I tried to explain it to her on the phone. You never know how God is using you as a simple, ordinary individual who's just doing what you do that forever changes the moment in the life of another individual. Forever changes. That that moment is life-changing to them. I grew up in Pentecostal churches where people were rolling on the floor. But that moment defined the Holy Spirit for me. so I don't have to roll on the floor to get his attention. Thank you, Jesus. And if you swung from one of our chandeliers, it would let you down. I want to share something else with you. Ladies, of course, we're in a new day in in the relationship of, of 
women in, in the workplace and, and women in, in the world and what they do. And I'm so highly respectful of, of what women do and what mothers do and what uh, uh, working women do. But I want you to understand something. If you will look at Scripture appropriately and correctly, you will see that women, through the Christian faith and through the work of Jesus Christ, have been so advanced because it was... We looked at Deborah, the woman that was a prophet in the Old Testament. We've looked at various lives of various women. But these people, Aquila and Priscilla, the Bible says that a marriage is to give a picture of Christ and his church. And there's this great expression of that that we don't have time to get into in any way today or a purpose to get into, except that I want to draw to your attention the relationship of Priscilla and Aquila and the things that they were able to accomplish together were far greater than anything they would have accomplished apart. And I think scripture bears that out. And I'm going to just share this with you. Because uh, if you were to read everything that uh, is said about them in scripture, the reader will note that the, uh, uh, all of these scriptures that mention them in Romans and Corinthians and Acts and Timothy, the odd-numbered scriptures mention Aquila's name first. That's kind of odd. No. The, the odd-numbered scriptures say Aquila and Priscilla. And the even-numbered scriptures say Priscilla and Aquila. And they are mentioned exactly the same number of times. And what it shows me is that when the scripture says these two become one, and if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight, then you should not minimize the value of the relationship that God has given you with your spouse in the kingdom of God. But you should realize that in you as a couple, God wants to do great things. I just think that's an interesting little tidbit about them. I think the greatest expression that that gives us is that Scripture emphasizes that they are being mentioned equal times together. And that the Holy Spirit placed the same value on both of them as individuals. I think it's a powerful picture from Scripture that only looking deeper into Scripture and only taking a little more time to analyze would ever reveal to us. Remember how Greg told us, Greg Terry told us, slow down. When you read the scripture, stop, consider what you see there. I don't think that's some big doctrinal thing by any means. I don't think we ought to build a doctrine around it. But I really think that it's worth mentioning that God mentioned them exactly the same number of times her first exactly the same number of times, and then him first exactly the same number of times. Because in God, he has made us uh, in him. The Bible says there's neither male nor female. Every one of you have the potential to do great things in God, whether you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. He doesn't minimize who you are. So, in closing... We meet this couple in scripture. They're laborers, tent makers by trade. They were equal partners in ministry and in life. They were preaching the gospel. They were maturing other believers. They were making disciples. 
and they were working with and encouraging the Apostle Paul. They were just ordinary people through whom God did extraordinary enough things that he felt that it should be recorded in Scripture so that we could gain understanding from it. I believe, I am convinced from the time that we started this series before as as the Holy Spirit began to put it in my heart to now that the reason that the Lord is saying this is that he's saying to you, I know that you feel like you're just who you are. You're just doing what you do. I know that some of you feel extremely ordinary and, and potentially you may even view yourself extremely unimportant. God does not view you that way. We have a a few more, maybe two or three sessions more of individuals that we're going to look at in the New Testament that I think will have just this kind of inspiration for our lives and for the year ahead. Would you say with me, Lord, I don't care how ordinary my life is. I don't care how simple it seems to be. I'm going to be the person for whom I allow the set time of God to arise in and through me over and over and over again so that I can be the right person in the right place at the right time for God to do great things. Amen? I think that's the challenge for the year. Would you stand together with me? Thank you, Jesus. Prayer teams are coming that are assigned for today. They are great men and women of faith. And the reason they're great men and women of faith is because they're just ordinary people who love Jesus. And they can, by faith, pray and agree with you so that your need will be met and so that God will walk with you in difficult circumstances. So don't leave here and carry those burdens out of here, okay? We lay them at the feet of Jesus and we go out free. That was the perfect place for somebody to say amen. Amen. We lay our burdens at the feet of Jesus and we go out free. Let's pray. Father, we bless you for this great word that we've received from Scripture, this great picture that you drew for us. I hope that I articulated it to your satisfaction so that it has maximum impact in our lives. But Lord, we are ordinary people. We're attending church together in an ordinary corner in an ordinary city. And we pray that this year there will be some set time moments in our lives. And we pray that you would cause us to be aware and not frustrated with the mundane processes of life, but we would anticipate those opportunities and step into them with gladness. Lord, we give you praise for that. I pray that you would put in the hearts of each one that are here the confidence that they not leave and carry burdens out of here that they carried in. That they'd be able to come and lay them at the feet of Jesus. I pray that if there's one person in this room whose relationship is not close to you, Lord, or who have not received you, that today they would say, come, Jesus, be in my life. Come, I'll walk with you. For these things we give you praise. Amen. Men, we'll see you on prayer Tuesday night.
7 o'clock in the prayer room, Wednesday night Bible study and youth, Thursday morning prayer. As they said, all of our schedule resumes this week. Let me speak a blessing in your life, and if you need to come to prayer teams, you can begin to come right now. Father, I bless these people in the name of Jesus. The Word says they're blessed on the right hand and on the left. The Word says they're blessed rising up and lying down, going in and going out. Would you let the work of their hands be blessed? Lord, this week, some of that deposit from you that is in them, would you cause it to be manifested in their life? For these things will give you great praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. All right, Lord bless you. I'll meet you at the door and greet you as you go. Uh, Greet one another and go see a prayer team.